welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Michael Moynihan and Leonie Freeman with me this afternoon. Uh, tributes are coming in uh, by text and email. Uh, devastated to hear of the passing of Ethesor Collins, a man who passed while living his values. What a loss. Uh, keep those coming, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. And also, um, solutions to rate rises. They're coming through here. Here's one. Local body debt solution, treasury to create the money and lend it out at 1% for all infrastructure costs. So on that, the letter that'll show your new rates charges, that'll be arriving before too long, won't it? And it won't make for happy reading this year, wherever you are living. The average Auckland household, for example, would pay an extra $613 in rates and water this year under Mayor Wayne Brown's proposed long-term plan. Auckland councillor Shane Henderson, he said that local government funding, uh, local government rather, has a funding crisis. The Christchurch City Council, as another example, has been discussing a proposed hike of 15.84% on the table, a proposed rates rise of more than 50% over the next decade, with Mayor Phil Majors saying not everyone can afford these rates rises. We can't keep doing it like this. So I thought I'd ask this afternoon, is there another way to fund local councils, or do we have to accept rates are just going up? With us, Stephen Speller, a local governance commentator and expert. Stephen, welcome. Good afternoon. We can't keep doing it like this, said the Mayor of Christchurch a few days ago. I can't recall an era, Stephen, where rates have risen like this. No, and I think it's it's a good example you've raised with Christchurch because Auckland is getting a lot of attention, but if we're honest, the it's pretty indicative of everybody. And actually the worst offenders, if you want to word it that way, are you know, Hamilton's looking at twenty five percent, coming down to around nineteen for the first year, and then fifteen for the next four. So that's quite a substantial. They sort of discussed twenty five, came down to nineteen for one year, fifteen for the next four. Hut City's looking at fifteen point nine, Wellington's fifteen to twenty, and Buller discussed and I should Emphasise discussed thirty one point eight. Um, so there, it's not just Auckland; it's not just any one region. We're seeing double digits quite a lot. And saying it's, that most councils are also bringing it down to under double digits where they can. Yeah, back quite a bit. no, no, fair point, Stephen. So my question is: Are local rates as a key funding mechanism past its use by date? Well, certainly the. Productivity Commission didn't think so in 2019. Um, they put out a report then and they said that international examples gave us no better alternative. And the alternatives I've seen yeah. overseas don't seem to be better either. Um, currently, sort of councils charge rates on the capital value of a property or the land value or a split of the two. And some councils are now looking at how they do that. It might be 70, 30, one or the other. Auckland uses the capital value. Um, but, you know, there is... But judging by the Productivity Commission, at least, there's no better model externally across the country. It doesn't mean we can't improve it. So no better model, no solutions so far, although our listeners might come to the party on this. Is is there another solution to our 
uh, rates model 2102. You can email to the panel at rnz.co.nz. Leone, you're in the property area. Mm. How about you? Look, it is it is a challenge, and I totally agree with, with Stefan. Um, but on the other side, there are so many things that have happened uh, between earthquakes and floods and cyclones and underinvestment and infrastructure, and uh, you know, particularly in areas like Auckland and uh, where there's been huge growth, we need the infrastructure. So it's um, how do we find a way to fund everything that we need to fund? Um, Wayne Brown has, has put proposals to government about trying to, uh, and I'll be interested to see what you think about it, Stefan, about trying to uh, have a fairer allocation of tax. So there's a lot of tax that goes to central government, but what uh, Wayne Brown is suggesting is some of that, say, for example, a proportion of the GST would come back to Auckland or to Christchurch or to Wellington to help fund local things. So I was wondering if you thought that those sort of options that the Auckland Mayor is suggesting might be one of oh, those okay. things you're saying is so, an improvement. So you're saying local government getting a share of the GST and income tax generated in their local government areas? Yes. Ah, oh, right. Yes. Stefan? Like the it's states do in Australia. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's a very good question. And the Future for Local Government Review that reported back in June 23, they actually mentioned that as well. It was an annual transfer of revenue equivalent to GST mm. um, on rates. And that could be area-specific, of course. I'm, you know, for a regional city, so I'd recommend that um, probably there needs to be a bit more balance than entirely that. Because a lot of the need is in, for example, Bula, we mentioned earlier, a lot of the need is in areas where the money isn't. Um, The other point is actually central government paying rates on Crown property. So there is Mm. ways to make it more fair. And the third most obvious one, which every local councillor was screaming about, is unfunded mandates. They're things that are put into legislation that they're expected to then pay out for but aren't actually funded. And it's water treatment, URMA planning standards, Indigenous biodiversity mapping, that sort of thing. And the whole environment and sustainability, uh, you know, a lot of that's been driven by central, but yeah. it's got to be implemented at a local level. Huge cost, okay. but, but no resource to go with it. Michael, it sounds like you've got some ideas. Uh, no, no, I don't really have. I, I'm actually going to just kind of speak the truisms. The reality is, is the money go round. Yes. The, the reality is that as a country, we have to kind of decide what we want. Mm. And then we've got to say, well, if we want that, we have to fund it. Yep. I mean, I'm abs- I have nothing but sympathy for the people that say, 613 is something they could not find in their lives um, to help pay for extra rates. But the reality is that you, I, I want my roads to function. I mm. want buses to work. Mm. I like my local swimming pool. I like my parks. If I want all that stuff, yep. we have to pay for it. We do. And it's not... But it's okay for you, though, Michael. Whether we transfer, sorry, it's okay for you. Yeah, look, I get that. I completely get it. But the reality is also that uh, just saying, okay, well, we've got to get it from central government. That means what? That's coming out of the tax pay. You know, it comes out of the tax amounts that they're getting from income tax and other. It, it's, it's for me. It's actually about stepping back and saying, um, it's about time we said, what is it that we want? What are we prepared to fund? And then how do we go about doing that in a way which is as equitable as possible but recognises the fact that just by simply – uh, just by simply saying I can't afford it, it doesn't mean that we don't have to – uh, we don't have to, as a, as a city, deliver it. We still need buses. We still need all of the things that sit inside that. Mm. No, I agree. Uh, the other piece there is, is the funding model broken is possibly the wrong question to ask because I think we already mentioned we've had, in just Auckland alone, cycling Gabriels. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's going to increase cost. It's all going to increase. It's rebuilding costs as well, which are yeah. higher than the original cost of building was. And then, if we're very honest, the um, three waters, then affordable water care, then water done well. I've watched councils just budget and restructure and re, but they're strategic planning against a moving target. So yeah. they've essentially yes. lost four or five years of targeting yeah. that they would be paying into because they were told one thing and, and vice versa. Mm. So our kind of our general electoral system and processes also put them in a much worse position than they should have been had mm. they been. And on a three-year electoral cycle, it is entirely possible for the direction to be changed so regularly that nobody knows how to ensure that you're on track. The the, The stop um, and start. The stop and start. You know, the reality is that to respond to global warming and to reduce our greenhouse gases, we've got to get cars off the road and bicycle lanes so that people can uh, use other forms of transport. That costs money. Mm. And it isn't just yeah, a case of whisper, w- wishing it to be... We've got a response here. Uh, Wallace, we're on a knife edge with rates. I get that. As they currently are. We live in central Wellington and we pay $1,600 a month in apartment body court fees, which have doubled in the last few years because of insurance. And that doesn't include local government rates. Yep. We simply can't manage a 15% increase in local government raise on top of that. And really, Stefan, that's the nub of it right there, people not being able to live in their own places. No, I, I don't disagree in the slightest. And as you know, as, as a um, someone that's supporting the same cost myself, I understand that. Um, and, and let's be honest, it's renters as much as you know, land, you know, uh, mortgage owners. Um, mm. So you know, you're paying your, your rates for your rent, which is something I want to just clarify because I think it's often left out of the conversation. The problem is, at some level, you've got to sell assets or you've got to reduce your, mm. you know, something, essentially. Yeah. And and this is why the Auckland example is actually a good one because it does give three rates they're consulting on. They're, what they're called very loosely a, a central option, a do less or a do more. And they do call it a pay more, you get more. The do less option comes with a 5.5-ish raise and, of course, you will do right. less for that. But that's mm. the option you have. It always is a, is a give and take running the table, making decisions. Okay. But, it, but is that a great thing to let the public, you know, you need leadership that says actually this is what, the, we've heard what you want, this is the city, everybody is going to vote to do less and pay less rates and then complain because the cars right. don't have anywhere to park or the roads are clogged. But then you're also saying, you know, for the services that you like, like the swimming pool or all of those sort of things, should we be paying more for those? Should we be that's paying a, more for the buses to actually make it user pays? I know we We've done a lot of work in the space um, around how to fund infrastructure because a lot of that yeah. is, 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 you know, for new developments and things like that. So for every new development, there is a development contribution and that goes towards infrastructure. Um, and uh, that goes to the council. But there have been schemes around infrastructure funding and finance that the previous government put in place and has been worked on about how you can do that in a smarter right. way that takes the pressure off council. Um, so there's a lot of those sort of things okay. we've got to hey, look at. Stefan, really nice to have you on the programme. Kia ora, because some good ideas there. Uh, Stefan Speller, the local government's governance commentator. Um, some interesting solutions are, are coming through. Uh, and some comments too. Gosh, my husband and I are pensioners who live uh, in a home in Christchurch. Our rates are just under $12,000 per annum. Wow. Our daughter lives in a, Auckland in a property valued at one, uh, $1.8 million, and her rates are less than $4,500 mm. 
dollars. Uh, what about this? Local government sales taxes are used in the US and other countries. Why not in New Zealand? Um, what about a levy on every real estate sale? All money goes into a fund to deal with climate change. It's fair as only homeowners will be paying for it. Look, so other yeah. other ideas coming through. Anyway, it's 19 past for the panel, RNZ National. First home buyers are rich people, one economist said recently. Um, properties valued at seven times the average household income, according to CoreLogic data. Uh, nationally, buying an average price home would likely require an income of $154,000 or $27,000 higher than the typical Kiwi household income, the Herald reported um, uh, a week or so ago. We raised this issue with economist Nathaniel Keel last week, and I said I wanted to hear from those who had been going through this. We got a run of responses, and I thought we'd get a couple up for today. With us this afternoon is Samuel. Welcome, Samuel. Yeah, kia ora, and ahiaimaniakata. It's great to have you on. Tell us your story, Sam. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot that I could say, but I think in the, in the short time of radio, for me, um, so we bought a house um, bought off the plans a couple of years ago, but for me, the, the key thing really was that the process started maybe about six years ago, actually, and so there were two kind of major phases of it. The first was actually kind of figuring out what on earth we're doing, how much money we've got, getting out of houses, and I guess in that first stage, what was kind of interesting for me was was realising that actually where I grew up in Wellington City was kind of unaffordable for what I wanted. So my now fiancé and I, we looked elsewhere and we, you know, partway early on in that process decided to move. So we migrated from Wellington to Christchurch. Um, and in doing that, we then moved on to the second stage, which was looking actually, you know, what can we afford, what's out there and what kind of properties are there. And for us, the interesting experience was pre-COVID when the market was crazy. We looked at them. and we said, actually, it's a little bit hard to ascertain what the value is of, of all the places that we're looking at, particularly with things like insurance, which you've spoken a lot about this week. And we actually ended up buying off the plans, which we're really happy about. But I guess it's just realising and remembering that it's, it's been a very long process. Yeah, many years in the making. And Sam, uh, the other thing is that you had to move cities to do it. You had to uproot your life. Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, speaking very sort of anecdotally, you know, we um we did what I, I would suggest, you know, and I guess I'm quite lucky in that I have a maths and economics degree. I'm a, I'm a teacher. Um, and my parents are both lawyers, so they kind of helped me as much as we could. But it's still an awfully kind of confusing process. But one of the best things I, d- I did that I would recommend is we, you know, started with a 20% deposit and worked backwards. And effectively, my fiance and I worked out that basically south of Johnsonville and Wellington, we were... We were priced out for what we wanted, which, you know, it's it's an emotional process. But but luckily, you know, moving down south, we found um, we found quite a bit really that we that was really good for us. So okay, so um, Leonie, that yeah. was the solution for this young couple. They're teachers. Mm. Uh, they made one into their home, but they uh, bought uh, their first south off the plans. Mm. So congratulations, Samuel. And I think what what it highlights too with what Samuel and his fiance have done is the planning that's gone into this. Uh, you know, they they made a really clear plan about what they wanted to do, um, figured out the deposit, figured out what they could afford, and that drove a lot of their decisions. And I think that's a really critical thing that, you know, it, it's a big thing to buy a house. So the need to plan and really get clear about what you want um, is, is important and do your homework and really figure out what's important for you. Um, Samuel, yeah. uh, 
I, I wonder, um, I also wonder whether or not, um, I'm assuming that this isn't necessarily your forever house. So as part of that planning, um, the knowledge that uh, this might be the step towards something else yeah. came into account, or do you accounted for that? Yeah, that's exactly right. So to answer both of your points, you know, I had, when I was first thinking about buying a house, we wanted, I guess what every New Zealander wanted at a certain time, which was really a quarter acre section or, a, you know, a three bedroom house with a garden. And actually looking about, looking at what was available and what we had the money for and, you know, what was around, we actually thought, well, a two bedroom townhouse is actually pretty good for our needs at the moment. And you're absolutely right in that, you know, that, that was a process of going through and deciding what the costs and trade-offs were. And again, for us, the other contrast was was realising that actually new builds are, are pretty awesome as well. Like, we looked at old properties, you know, we'd go around sort of, and, and this was in the time also when prices were going crazy, and you'd look at these places with holes in the walls and, hmm. you know, dings in the gutter, and they'd say, you know, six figures with a seven in front, and you'd be very confused about what what you were buying and what the value was and so forth. Right. Yeah, a new build was an, was an, excellent, um, an excellent idea, actually. Just before yeah. you go, getting the deposit together because that's the uh, that's the big deal. Um, how was that? Yeah, so we, I mean, we did it a whole number of different ways. So it was me and my my fiance, but also both of our sets of parents and our Kiwi savers. Um, and so for us, you know, again, it was quite a long process and reasonably difficult. Um, I would, if I'm allowed to, um, give a bit of a shout out. So for us, one of the real lifesavers in this process was first of all having the knowledge to know that. You know, going in with a, a 20% deposit and setting our price that way and working backwards gave us a lot more power um, in terms of negotiating things. But the, the charitable trust we're with, um, Simplicity, do a, do a phenomenal first home buyer's loan, which which is outside of the kind of traditional banks, and that suited us really nicely. Mm-hmm. So we're really pleased with that. Samuel, all the best. Thanks for sharing your story there. Uh, sure. Yeah, that's uh, Samuel there who uh, moved uh, from wanting to Christchurch with a partner, both teachers, to buy their first help of the plans, um, uh, getting that uh, deposit together. Lucky to have the parents, oh, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, that intergenera- intergenerational wealth is, uh, <laughs> uh, is important. important. He also made the point, seems. I think, really validly that knowledge was a big yeah. part of how <clears throat> right. he got to where he wanted to, you know, knowing that Simplicity Trust existed, mm. knowing that, um, you know, he could gather this, you know, having to work to, got a deposit and working backwards. So actually, um, uh, Ensuring that folk have got okay. that literacy can help too. Now, also with us is uh, um, uh, Josh, Joshua. Uh, welcome, Joshua. Your team, great to be here. Nice to have you on. You heard Stemo's story. Uh, what's yours? I did. Yeah, I'm a little bit different. Uh, wife and I are migrants, early 30s. Uh, we rent at the moment. Don't have heaps of Kiwi Saver. You uh, can't get one to your resident. Um, we've got a bit of savings, been here five years. Of course, love New Zealand. I don't want to be a complaining pommy, uh, but look, I work in a long-term skill shortage profession. I'm a software engineer, well compensated, uh, 40-hour work week, do on call on top. A lot, have it a lot harder than I do, um, but I am on a budget. You know, student loans, 10% of my income, let alone everything else. Um, drive a second-hand car, no credit card debt, yada, yada. What I wanted to get onto is that parental help topic, really interesting one. Um, a lot of the first-time uh, buyer's advice says once you've got the gift from the parents, it makes that assumption that your parents can help. Um, there's a lot of us out there who have parents who can't afford help or don't want to, um, not to mention those of us raised by single parents. Um, a few of my friends were. There's not a lot out there. Um, you know, if that's your scenario, yeah. you've got to be self-made. 
Um, quick back of the envelope calculation. Last year's trade me figures say average house price deposit is $174,000. If you could spare $500 a month to save, which is a tall ask for many, it would take you 29 years. That's why we're talking about it right now, because of the extraordinary <laughs> difficulty. Josh, can I ask you, you heard um, a similar story. So where are you at yeah. uh, at this stage? Are you still thinking of getting a house or is it out of reach or what? Um, honestly, looking pretty out of reach. Um, look, I'm saving what I can. I'm renting. I've got a good landlord. He doesn't put the rent up. I'm more fortunate than many. Um, but it's looking pretty tough. I earn too much for the um, the the first home loan scheme that Samuel mentioned. Um, But, you know, with the level of outgoings you have, even on a budget, it is just so difficult to put that much money aside, even if you're very well paid like myself. You would be representing thousands of people listening Mm. into this this afternoon. Uh, uh, Josh, uh, a couple who, you know, have dreams of perhaps, uh, you know, it's not necessarily be all and end all, but it is is important. It's a top of mind thing, isn't it, to Mm. have your own place at some stage. Um, yeah. So what, what's 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 the next step? I understand you've um, got a young family. Yeah, that's right. Um, so you know, obviously, you can't wait forever. It's it's a big desire of ours to have kids, and um, you know, she's she's brilliant, our daughter. But they obviously make home ownership harder. Um, you know, no wonder the birth rate is so low. And you were just talking about that the other day. Um, you know, both parents ideally have to work, but that means daycare costs, which eat up a bit of the second income. Um, and it also means, you know, you're aiming for that house with that extra room. You know, the starter home is no longer appropriate if you've got one or two kids. Um, so that definitely complicates things. Lovely to have you on the program, Joshua. Thank you so much for taking the time to tell your story. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. That's, so that's uh, Michael, that's Joshua, that's Samuel, both d- very different uh, uh, yeah. circumstances, you know, one in the first, uh, off the plans, um, did have a bit of help there with both KiwiSaver mm-hmm. and a um, bit yeah. of parental help. Uh, the other Joshua um, is in a um, pretty good job, but mm. d- again, doesn't have that intergenerational I, wealth. I feel so unable to contribute because I come from that generation where it was just a completely different paradigm. And we've helped our children and so they're in the position that, you know, um, that Samuel was in. And so I I just, I don't, I despair. I don't know. I mean, I do think there, I come back to the thought that actually um, we still do have to look at our you know, look at where we live and how we live and why we live in a different way. Lots of other countries never aspire to um, home ownership. It's not something that sits in the DNA, but it does here. Um, too many of us rely on it as a means of superannuation and things, which isn't relevant either. You know, we should be thinking about our retirement, not by funding it through our houses, but mm. through some other form. Um, but I really, I, I have nothing but sympathy. And, and Isn't it amazing, I mean, how far, how far things have come and only where someone like Michael who can't even it's so different he can't even relate to the topic you know you could buy a little yeah. bit of an Orihanga where you yeah, used to yeah. live what for $16,000 mm. yeah, yeah. I still think though I, I know when I bought my first house it was still a real challenge you know there was no family money you know saved hard all that sort of thing but housing unaffordability is a big issue in the country um, the only city in New Zealand that gets measured on an international scale is Auckland and Auckland sits in the top 10 of the most un- unaffordable really? cities in the world and when you look at the measures there's quite a few of our cities, smaller cities that that are you Close know don't meet the one million threshold, that would be considered in that top 
um, level. So then you've got to say, well, look, how do we address this? And supply is one of the big issues. And, you know, one of the challenges you see is how do we get more supply right across the housing continuum? So this yep. is everything, you know, from um, social housing, affordable housing and market housing. So we've got to deal with that. Uh, then we need to, there's that big challenge that we face in the market all the time about density, because if we want more affordable houses, got we've it. got to go up. So, you know, there's lots of uh, cultural right. debates around that sort of stuff. Um, but the other thing too is, that, and I don't know whether, Josh, you've looked at it, but and, and whether you've, you meet the criteria, but there are some schemes of shared equity or shared mm. ownership where you can buy, you get 50% ownership first and then Quite take complex time. though, quite difficult. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. but there are some schemes. And so there's some um, which are more market shared equity. So just right. encourage you to look at that. Very good, um, Leonie. Well. All right, uh, Leonie Freeman, Michael Moynihan, this afternoon you are on the panel on RNZ National. Do stay with us, lot to come. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.